The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Jesus and his disciples set out for the villages of Caesarea Philippi. Along the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? They said in reply, John the Baptist, others Elijah, still others one of the prophets. And he asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter said to him in reply, You are the Christ. Then he warned them not to tell anyone about him. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer greatly, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and rise after three days. He spoke this openly. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. At this he turned around and, looking at his disciples, rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. He summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and that of the gospel will save it. The Gospel of the Lord. It is not uncommon in life to take on a task, a task concerning which we have a particular vision. We have an idea of how it should begin, how it should go on, proceed, and how it should end. It may be something small, a day's work. It may be a profession. It may be a relationship. It may be marriage. And then we realize that it's much different than we expected it to be. It may begin as we expected it to begin, but it doesn't proceed the way we thought it would. And we begin to realize that the end will be very much different than we had expected. We may give up and go on to something else. Or we may simply continue in that particular work. until the end, always working towards that which we thought it should be, although the journeys turned out to be much different. There is no life lived of any great length that will not experience that. Today's gospel speaks about that and speaks to each one of us about our own journey. We've heard this gospel many times. This is St. Mark's version of it. Our our Lord takes his disciples to a place for a purpose. We often forget that in life, don't we? 
we think we wound up somewhere quite by accident, but our Lord meant us to be there all along because something's going to happen we weren't expecting. He takes them to Caesarea Philippi, a pagan area. There was a great temple to Jupiter. You may recall that even the god Pan was supposed to have been born there. And he confronts them with a question, the question with which we are all confronted. Who do people say that I am? What does the crowd think? What does the mob believe? If you were to take a vote at this time, what would they say? And they tell him. John the Baptist, come back from the dead. Elijah, one of the prophets. Not bad, actually, but wrong. And he confronts them with the same question. Do they really know who he is yet? They don't. Uh, But who do you say that I am? Because the answer to that question determines everything else. Once we answer it, everything else follows, or should. And Peter alone replies, You are the Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah. He's right, although there's more to it than that. Now, they all have a different idea of what this means, as we know. They have an idea of an earthly kingdom, a kingdom of love and peace, a kingdom of great conversion, first of the people of Israel and then all humanity. But the whole world will be part of this wonderful kingdom, and conversion will be part of every human experience. That's what they think. And they will play a major role in this, too. And our Lord then tells them not to tell anybody. As far as they go, as far as they're concerned, they have understood who he is. He then begins to tell them what it means to be the Christ and what it means to be the Anointed One, which was not what they expected at all. It's not the journey they wanted. It's not the journey for which they joined him. He tells them what must happen to him. He tells them why he has come. The Son of Man must suffer greatly, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests and the scribes, and be killed and rise after three days. And we're told in the gospel he said this very openly. Remember his temptations in the desert? We have that on the first Sunday of Advent of Lent every year. But temptations in the desert are a temptation away from something on the part of the devil. The three temptations to turn rocks into bread, to throw himself down from the pinnacle of the temple to worship Satan so he can be, receive all the kingdoms of the world. Each one of those temptations is a temptation away from the cross. The devil is saying, you can have all these things, and people will follow you, but not the cross. And our Lord simply says, be gone, Satan. Well, now when Peter reviews that temptation by rebuking him, See, Peter doesn't want this to happen. Can you blame him? First of all, that isn't what he joined him for. And secondly, he loves the Lord. I mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. John, John the Evangelist is referred to as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Peter is the disciple who loved the Lord, perhaps more than any of them. With all of his faults, with all of his impetuousness, um, with all of his ambition, maybe, he really loved the Lord. And as I mentioned... He was foolish in his love, because all love is really foolish, in, in a way. You ever think of that? Um, 
It's not practical. Let's take an ordinary love, like a, a man and a woman in love. The woman might do something very special for that man. Let's say she might cook him a meal that would take her a great deal of time and a great deal of planning and preparation. She could have gone down to the store and bought something, but she didn't do it. Or the man might bring the woman flowers. What a real waste of money. Uh, they don't last very long. They're very impractical things, flowers. A share of stock would have been much better. It would have lasted longer. <laughs> uh, or a wad of cash would have done the same thing. It would have been far more practical than flowers. Flowers are wild things, and giving them is a wild thing to do. But there's something very beautiful in that, and there's something very not so beautiful about a share of stock or a lot of cash. We do foolish things for people we love, don't we? In fact, as I said a few weeks ago, foolishness is the first step in all great love, and all real love, and all perfect love. The world will think we are foolish if we truly love God as he asks us to love him, commands us to love him. Peter had what you might call I think I mentioned this. Not just confidence in the Lord. Anybody can have confidence. He had a wild confidence. He really believed in everything that he thought he was and would do anything for him, he thought, and eventually would. But right now, he just doesn't want the cross. And because he reviews the temptation in the desert, our Lord then turns to him and says, Get behind me, Satan. You are thinking not as God does, but as human beings do. In other words, you don't understand redemption at all. You don't understand divine love. If you want to understand what appears to be foolishness, I will show you what that means. The ultimate foolishness in the eyes of the world is the cross. That's what seems so foolish. The ultimate defeat, the ultimate humiliation, and yet the only really great victory. He then summons the crowd and tells them that. Whoever wishes to come after me must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. How often have we heard that statement over and over again? And then we must be willing to lose our life for that sake. I mentioned before, I believe, Blessed Charles de Foucault, the great hermit of the desert. He wanted the followers. He wanted to found an order. And he had two conditions. One... You must be willing to joyfully, first no, three, actually three. One, absolute obedience. Two, you must be willing to joyfully starve to death for the sake of the kingdom of God. And three, you must be willing to be joyfully beheaded for the kingdom of God. Nobody came. Uh, <laughs> one did for six months and then left. Uh, that's foolishness, isn't it? That's what he saw it, and in some way, not like that, That must be part of our lives. Following Jesus Christ will make us often look foolish because the world simply won't understand and will reject us along with him. You know, there was a woman, I think I've mentioned her before, by the name of Amy Carmichael. 
She was a missionary to orphans in India and rescued many. She wrote a poem uh, entitled, Hast Thou No Scar? You may have heard it. I've mentioned it before. She said, Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archers, spent, leaned against a tree to die, and rent by ravening beasts that compassed me, I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar, yet as the master shall the servant be, and pierced are the feet that follow me, but thine are whole. Can he have followed far who has no wound or scar? Let us pray. Almighty Father, we come before you as the people redeemed by the cross of your Son, and trusting in your love and mercy. For the Church throughout the world, that her members will always be visible signs of the sacrificial love of God. For the healing, strengthening, and purifying of the Church in our own country, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For all nations of the world, especially our own, they may come to know Jesus Christ through the sacrifice of his members, we pray to the Lord. For all those who are sick and suffering and dying, for those who are confused or depressed, they will know that they are united to the Lord in their suffering and in their cross. For those who are greatly tempted, for those who have lost faith and rejected the cross, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the legal protection of the unborn, we pray to the Lord. For an increase in vocations to priesthood and the consecrated life, those young men and women who will bear the cross in a unique way for the sake of the kingdom of God. For a greater reverence for the cross in marriage and the single life, we pray to the Lord. For our bishop, priests, deacons, and seminarians, and for the American hierarchy, that they will accept the grace given to them by their orders to bear the cross of Christ heroically, we pray to the Lord. Lord, For the souls of all the faithful departed, especially our relatives, friends, and benefactors, for all who have died in the battlefield, all victims of violence, terrorism, and natural disaster, eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. May they rest in peace. May their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed For all those suffering from the hurricane, for those in its path, that they will remain safe. For those who have died, for their families, we pray to the Lord. Lord, And for all of us here, that our lives will reflect the heroic love of God and the crosses we bear, we pray to the Lord. Lord, 
We now join our prayers to those of the sorrowful mother as we sing. Thank you. 